everyone has an idea of who Jesus is, but we want to help you know what the collection of scripture reveals about him. Right now, we are going through the Gospel of John and taking a look at what we can learn together. Join us at the metaphorical table as we get to know Jesus through the Bible. Welcome everyone to the Jesus Table Podcast. We are talking about John, the Gospel of John, and we're still in the first chapter. <laughs> I don't know how long we'll be here, but it's it's just so yep. <laughs> so rich. Well, we have two two more episodes. <laughs> yeah. Um I wonder if we'll come back to it though, because it's so rich and it's so jam-packed. Yeah. You know? And anyway, I'm here with the theologian, Dr. Nick Venditti, as always. I'm the the lay student and oh, come on. <laughs> um and we've we've seen seven <laughs> different titles that um that john attributes to jesus and kind of not teething out everything that it means but kind of going one by one and just in case you haven't uh watched or listened yeah. to the other episodes we've talked about jesus as the logos <clears throat> jesus as the light jesus the son of god he is christ that he is the Lamb of God, so what we're going to be talking about today. He is the King of Israel, and that he is the Son of Man. So, um, this one really goes off last episode, you know, kind of, they go hand in hand. Well, I guess they all do in a way, but Doc, um, why don't you tell us about the one we'll be looking yeah. at today? There's an overlap, you're yeah. right. <clears throat> well, today we're lo- looking at the, the Lamb of God, you know, and uh, in our culture present-day 21st century culture. You know, there are other cultures where there, animal sacrifices exist. You know, uh, I've been to countries uh, in Latin America, also in Africa and in Asia, where uh, people uh, do sacrifice animals, you know, uh, to atone or try to get close to their gods, you know, with a small g and plural. But uh, this, we, we're going to look at what this really means, the Lamb of God, you know, uh, in the biblical context. And um, if you want, why don't you read the verse for today in chapter 1. And I want to remind everybody, these are seven titles that we've discovered and studied that appear in chapter 1 of John. And we'll continue a different series on John. But uh, as Elliot mentioned, it is so rich, and especially this one of uh, the Lamb of God, uh, we're going to try to unpack it as much as possible without going into the weeds, okay? Yeah, without being here All right, for Elliot, a few hours. So if you don't mind reading something. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. John 1, uh, verse 35 says, Again the next day, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. And so here, it's interesting that he's saying, behold, yep. like, hey, everyone, look, you know, see, here is the Lamb of God. Exactly. And um, I guess we could start with what what would this have meant to them? Because they had a different understanding. Like you mentioned, they we don't do animal sacrifices. Lamb is maybe, you know, something that we eat for tacos or, you know, right. for uh, dinner. But uh, what <laughs> what did what did this mean in yeah. calling Jesus a Lamb of God? <clears throat> for in their understanding well uh in in Jewish culture, yeah, in Jewish culture, first century and previous, of course, uh there were animal sacrifices, and there were different kinds of sacrifice apart 
There were also uh, different other kinds besides animal. Uh, there were other kinds of sacrifice depending on what the need was. I think very important in understanding uh, in the Old Testament and uh, the New Testament, especially the Epistle to the Hebrews, helps us understand. Because in the Old Testament, uh, the abnormal, I'm the, the sacrifice system, let's put it like this, the sacrifice system was for Israel. But yet, I, I want to underline that when John makes this statement, he talks about the Lamb of God. And in John also later, it, it calls uh, in chapter 4, the Samaritan is called Jesus the Savior of the world. So uh, although in the Old Testament it was for Israel, in the New Testament we see, and the author of Hebrews reminds us that Jesus was a greater sacrifice himself. So that when a first century Jew, or the hearers of this uh, letter, uh, epistle, uh, gospel, excuse me, uh, they say, you know, and they hear the Lamb of God. They're sort of thinking, I would say, probably four or five different passages in the Old Testament. Uh, one of them, obviously, uh, would be uh, Exodus, of course, where in Exodus we know that there was the Passover lamb and there was the Day of Atonement, you know, that later uh, continued on. And uh, it was it was an atonement for for sins, but it did not forgive sins. That's what the author of Hebrews and uh, other parts of the Bible tell us. Another passage I'm sure they thought of, you know, would be most probably, I would say Isaiah 53, the suffering servant, where it clearly says that he died for our transgressions or our sins. So uh, this is something that I would imagine, especially those that were expecting uh, Messiah to and really understood his role as the sacrifice, uh, they would have said, wow, he is the Lamb of God. But for others, you know, I would say they were perplexed. And we've discussed this also, the ones that were expecting the King Messiah to come and kick the Romans out and... Um, Israel would have all the glory that it had during the time of David, etc. But here specifically, uh, the, the whole image of lamb uh, helps us to understand and see the importance of sin. And we know that. We understand that clearly both in the Old and the New Testament. But that uh, Jesus is identified by no, no, no one other than John the Baptist as being that lamb of God. So uh, I, if the implications are a lot. I don't know how many really understood it to its full, uh, full uh, fullness, uh, because I know you know there were many times in the gospels, you know the disciples were walking with Jesus and just didn't get it. They didn't get it, you know. And I think of Jesus just sort of again. This is holy, sanctified imagination, but I just imagine Jesus going ah. <laughs> Come on, guys, get on the same page with me. But uh, Jesus was very patient with them. So when it comes to this title of the Lamb of God, the implications are huge. They really, really are huge. Not only in the in the Old Testament, but especially in the New Testament and the person and work of Jesus Christ. Uh, okay, that's that's good. Yeah, I mean, yeah. to us it may sound weird, you know, like in our context to think that this is what they yeah. did. That they would sacrifice, but I love that you said um, 
this was not necessarily that this cleansed them because it's it's mentioned in Psalm uh, 51, right. for example. It didn't forgive right, the sins. Like Psalm 51, for example, it says, you don't delight right. in sacrifices. Um, so he's. it's like they understood this yeah. was, I don't know if symbolic is the right, the right word, um, or an image, or yeah. a, this thing that they did in honor of God. You know, sacrifice and offering was something that they would give to God, yeah. right? And And... We do the same thing now, just yeah. we, we don't do it with animals, right? But like you said, there's different type of offerings, like uh, their produce, right. their grains, their, and we still do it now at church with our exactly. songs, with our money, with our time, with our service, whatever it may be. It's it's a similar idea, sure. but that you mentioned the Passover, and uh, just to remind everyone the kind of the story that this is those who had put blood on their door, they... They would uh, they would be saved. Exactly, the angel of death would pass them by. So it's it's in that sense, I guess the image is this this Jesus. What he's going to do somehow? Uh, like you said, I don't think they understood it. I don't blame them. I don't think I would have understood yeah. it either. No, yeah. We understand it now in light of the New Testament writings mm-hmm. and everything. But it was you will be saved from death. I guess would be one of the one of the meanings. Yeah, and uh, I think it's important to realize. Uh, not only the biblical significance, but uh, again, uh, in the Old Testament, we see how these sacrifices, and the author of Hebrew mentions it also, uh, the fact that it was this, it did not forgive sins, but on top of that, uh, it had to be repeated. But yet in the New Testament, we see that the sacrifice of Jesus uh, maybe like you you mentioned before, we should do a series <laughs> on the uh, book of Hebrews, right? The uh, epistle to because it's it's it has the it's the richest regarding all of this, you know, that explains because here we see in Hebrews it reminds us and tells us that Jesus was not only the sacrifice, but he was also the high priest, <laughs> and uh, Jesus didn't need to have his his sins forgiven where the high priest was the one that represented the people, uh, and he would go in once a year, and uh, he it would be on the Day of Atonement, and uh, he would, you know, they would do the sacrifice, and uh, he would repeat it year after year. But yet, Jesus, as the author of Hebrews reminds us, his was done once and for all. In other words, there is no more sacrifice after what Jesus did on the cross. And uh, he, that's why it's so astounding and so profound what John says here, you know. Uh, he says he identifies them very clearly. And, of course, John, the author of the gospel, identifies them very clearly as, uh, as the Lamb of God. And uh, maybe this is a spoiler for some or not, but uh, in the book of Revelation, you know, it, it very clearly states that Jesus is the eternal Lamb. Uh, the one that was given as a sacrifice. So um, it, it's it's the way that we have access, New Testament believers or believers after Jesus died on the cross and was resurrected. It's a way that we have total access to God where before uh, we didn't have uh, that. that uh, in the Old Testament, you had the veil you know, there was uh, between the Holy of Holies and the Holy Place, but that veil was broken uh, when Jesus died on the cross. 
and when he was resurrected. So again, we have total free access because of what Jesus did. That's why he was the Lamb of God, or is the Lamb of God. Uh, and I love how the whole Bible, yeah. what we call the Bible Scriptures, testify to the same thing. You know, like we mentioned Exodus. Yeah. <clears throat> it's in Leviticus, all the atonement sacrifice that you've mentioned that... Uh, once a right. year, the the high priest would enter into the holy of holies, and and if you if you don't know a lot about that, don't worry. Maybe we can cover that sometime. But and then we see it tied through the Old Testament into the New Testament, and even to the last book, Revelation, right. where Jesus is mentioned and called the Lamb of God exactly. that takes away the sin of the world, and to the, and the angels start singing, yeah. "Holy, holy is yeah. the Lamb of God," and. I'll be honest. Exactly. This isn't just something that's, oh, it's a neat little fact. I think if we could get the meaning behind this, you know, that he's obviously not a literal lamb, but that the, what this meant, I think uh, exactly. we'd have a better understanding of exactly. the identity of Jesus and the purpose of Jesus. Like you said, it's culminated on the cross. I, I remember one time it sort of clicked for me when I was reading Revelation 5 uh, as it's mentioning that in this poetic, deep, you know, emotional language. And I started mm -hmm. crying and I, I didn't know why I was crying. Mm -hmm. I just started crying and just like, he is the only one that could open the scroll. He's the only one that could forgive our sins. He's the only one that could make a exactly. way when there was no way for us to That's be with the good. father. And, and here, I don't know how much John the Baptist understood, but prophetically, if, through the Holy Spirit, somehow he just says, behold, here he is. Here's the Lamb of God. The answer that we need, whether we know it or not. Yes, he is. And he was going to do it in a way yeah. that no one could have predicted uh, through the cross, ultimately. Yeah. And again, we we need to rem do a little homework and remember that John the Bast Baptist was the forerunner to mm -hmm. Jesus. You know, and there were people thinking, oh, so you're the guy, you know, you're the Messiah, you're the Savior, you're the one that's going to be doing all this. No, 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 it's not me. I baptize in water. You know, one of the scriptures is I baptize in water. But the one that comes after me, he will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. So it, John the Baptist is always pointing to Jesus. It's, it's, it's necessary that he grows and I diminish, you know, the whole concept. So I think it's very important that we take these words seriously and understand that it's through the Lamb of God. Of course, it's not that Jesus is literally a lamb, but what he did was the Old Testament uh, and what the Bible talked about was a sacrifice for sins and, of course, the forgiveness of sins, which, again, we, we couldn't do it. We couldn't do it on our own. We just could not. And he did. he had no need to do this in the sense that uh, just like the high priest, uh, he did the sacrifice every year, and he would go in and he would do it first for himself. Uh, here we have the perfect priest and the perfect lamb, because that's another thing I think we need to bring to the attention to our friends and listeners, uh, that the lamb that was to be used even in the temple, because they had daily sacrifices where two lambs were were sacrificed every day at the temple for the people but there were also lambs that were sacrificed for individuals so uh this whole concept of a lamb was not foreign to the jewish uh people at that time but that whole concept you know i mean john the baptist just 
hit it out of the ballpark. And like you said, maybe they understood it, maybe they didn't understand it, but he made it abundantly clear. You know, here's the Lamb of God. Yeah, and this goes into what we were talking about in the last episode of him being the Messiah, right? The anointed one that meant so many things. The the king, the prophet, the priest. And I think they had this view of king, which we'll talk about later, but... And he is, and he, but mm-hmm. not in the way they expected him to, you know, and for him to come and give up his life. And exactly. Jesus, continuously, what amazes me is that when you read the Gospels, you see how Jesus very clearly says, this is going to happen, guys. I'm going to give up my life. And then the disciples kind of get together and yeah. like, what do you think he means by that? You know, like they think that he means something else. <laughs> They're assuming, you know, this is. Or Peter says, no, get away yeah. from here. No. Well, he, they did understand. They're like, no, Jesus, you're nuts. What's wrong with you? You're, that's, uh, um, and they try to rebuke yeah. him, you know. It's because it does, it goes against yeah. everything that we thought um, a king or a savior would come to do. He comes yeah. to destroy, to defeat, you know, and, and he did. It's just not in the way we, we thought so. And I think that's part of the beauty of the cross and, and that it was um, not just foreshadowed, but clearly promised through throughout the right. old testament and again this goes to what we were talking about the importance of understanding the old testament to see the the full picture of what was happening here the full picture of what of what it means yeah. the for jesus to be on the cross for jesus to be that perfect sacrifice for us on our behalf to god um and so that i guess that that's a little bit of what that means for us but I, is there anything else you would as add a matter to of that? fact yeah. you know yeah, uh, just, you know, uh, uh, just to comment a little on what you're saying, you know, Isaiah chapter 53, the famous passage about Jesus is the suffering servant. But in verse 4, it says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our, our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. You know, I think it's important that uh, some of our listeners, if they're not familiar and understand this, that he was smitten and he was pierced, but not for his transgressions. It says our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. In other words, even though he was innocent, but he did it for us. And with his wounds, we are healed. So the whole thing, you know, and then verse 6, it says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, again, a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ, the iniquity of us all. So he did it for us, and uh, he was willing to do it, and he did it voluntarily, you know. He gave up his life voluntarily. That was his mission. And uh, that's why it's so, so important to understand uh, this metaphor of uh, Jesus being the Lamb of God, the importance of that. Because I I just want to remind, and, you know, somebody may say, well, these guys are just repeating themselves. It's not really repeating ourselves. It's the importance of understanding and knowing that he had no need to do this. You know, it wasn't self-serving for him. Uh, he had no sin. He he was without blemish because that's one of the things of the lambs. When they would be offered, they had to be without blemish. He was the sinless one 
but yet he went and made himself sin for us. In other words, he took our place. So that's why I think it's very important that we understand, uh, try to get a sense of the destiny and God's faithfulness and promise in providing that lamb, the lamb that eventually would bridge the gap between God and humanity. Because we all know, you know, in Genesis chapter 3, uh, humanity's rebellion in our first parents, Adam and Eve, and that brought a major wedge between us and God. But yet here comes Jesus, gave his life, didn't have to do that. He in no way, shape, or form, he was totally sinless, but he did it for us. And and of course, we're familiar with John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I mean, it's just... Boy, that's, we can just go on. Yeah, the, that that's so key because I think yeah. we can sometimes assume. I don't know if I've ever have even subconsciously that, yeah, he kind of needed to save me. He needed to come on the cross. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been just. He would have been fair. But the New Testament, I think, in First Peter, it kind of yeah. says no. You know, he would have been still good, still righteous, still just if he had just let us. Yeah. receive what we deserved, like you mentioned from our rebellion since Genesis three. Until yeah. today, until, you know, yeah. this morning, like every, every day we're, we're yeah. still uh, in rebellion towards God. And yet that's part of his grace that he would take our place. And um, another exactly. another image of the lamb is, I guess, from the story from Abraham and Isaac. I don't know if you wanted to share that real quick and kind of how that ties together. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a type of uh, theologians and scholars, you know, they say it's a type of Messiah because, again, although uh, it's curious because the Messianic Jews do not call it the sacrifice. They call it the binding of Isaac, you know. And it's true. Isaac was not sacrificed, right. you know. Isaac was not, he was bound, is what the scripture says. But uh, there, again, God provided a sacrifice for Abraham, you know? And that's exactly what God did in the person and work of Jesus Christ. He provided what we could not provide. If you remember, you know, the story of uh, Isaac when he goes up, he asks, oh, where's the sacrifice with, with his father, you know, Abraham? Where's the sacrifice? You know, and God provided the sacrifice just when um, Isaac almost lost his life, but God provided uh, the sacrifice. And God provided the sacrifice for Israel as a nation, you know, the Passover lamb. And uh, God provided the sa sac sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice in Jesus Christ. Amen. And I guess... So, I mean, that theme of the Lamb of God really goes... Uh, I mean, you know, the Lamb and sacrifice really goes throughout the whole Bible. Yeah. And God's faithfulness, yeah. I mean, you know... Yeah, definitely. And I love that in Abraham, Isaac, I guess, because it's a it's a it's a long story, but it's it's this picture of even though Abraham had previously sinned and not like um, maybe trusted God and done things in his own way with um, having another son. And here was maybe a consequence of all that that happened previously in his life. Uh, and now he's mm -hmm. thinking he's going to sacrifice his own son. There it is, out of nowhere it appears, you know, and, and yeah. God provides. And it's the same for Israel, and yeah. it's the same now for, for the whole world, for all of us, for whoever believes. And um, exactly. last question, I guess, before we run out of time. 
um, is there any correlation or importance mm-hmm. that um, John is mentioning this as uh, Jesus is coming to get to be baptized? Like, is there any correlation between baptism here and uh, and his role as the Lamb of God? Well, we know also in the at the baptism, uh, the Father said, "This is my Son, in whom I am greatly pleased." You know, so uh, again, God's approval. You know, God's faithfulness in providing. Uh, if you remember in uh, Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, uh, it's the first time that the mention of a Messiah, or uh, here in this case we could say the sacrifice would be offered because it was uh, the serpent's head would be mm-hmm. crushed by the seed of the woman. So again, we see God's faithfulness in all of this, all these little details, you know, throughout history, human history. And how the enemy, you know, Satan would try, uh, even even in the Exodus event, to kill, you know, wanted to kill uh, Israel as a nation and all the other times throughout history. But yet God was faithful and had his hand on his people and continues to have, have his hand on his people. And that's why to us as believers in Jesus, uh, Jesus is so important because he's the one that allows us to have not only eternal life, but also the forgiveness of sins. And that goes hand in yeah. hand, transforms us, changes us from the inside out. As well, it's so. that transformation, God's approval. Yeah. And, and that's what baptism is too, right? He goes symbolic of death to life. Yeah, that's true. Like yeah, the, him very as good. the lamb very is good. going yep. to die and then rise again. So, um, wow, there's a lot there. <laughs> but uh, Right, and that's what baptism is. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but I think we, we've, we've got enough to chew yeah, on. Yeah, <laughs> I think uh, that's a good little uh, quick, I guess, overview of what the meaning of this was. Maybe we'll, we'll touch more yeah. on that and circle back later on. But uh, anyway, I hope this was a blessing to everyone watching or listening. And uh, we encourage you to read John along with us if you want to. Just kind of see all of these titles come together and how John lays this out. I think very purposeful and meaningful and so, so rich. So anyway, thank exactly. you so much, Doc. And uh, we'll see you all in our next episode. All right, Elliot. Great. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Jesus Table podcast. We pray that these conversations are a blessing for anyone seeking to know who Jesus is and for those seeking to know him even more.